So hi everybody, this is Benjamin from Sports TagX. Today I have the pleasure to talk to Ross from GridRival. GridRival is a fantasy auto racing experience and I like his approach very much. So I'm looking forward a lot to find out more about it. But first of all, hi Ross. Hello, how are you this morning or this afternoon or whatever time it is over there? <laughs> yeah, Berlin afternoon, uh, US morning, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. <laughs> cool. I'm doing good, and I would say we should just kick off the podcast right away. All right. Um, let's talk a bit about you as a person. Um, it's always nice for our listeners to get like a little overview of what you've done in the past, what you're up to now. So, yeah, feel free to give a little intro about yourself. Yeah, so like you said, my name is Ross. Uh, I'm a founder of a company called Grid Rival. It's a fantasy sports brand, and we're focused primarily on auto racing. Uh, my background really has been very much as an entrepreneur. Uh, for the past six and a half years, I was running a digital media buying firm located here in Portland, Oregon. Um, and we'll probably get into a little bit of the story about how this started. But um, I basically you know, grew up really passionate about motorsports. I wasn't really interested in American football and, and basketball and baseball and a lot of the other sports that American fans are known for. And um, so ultimately, that passion kind of led for my current project. Um, and other than that, I'm just, um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pretty normal guy. I got a, a wife and two girls that are three and, and six years old that keep me busy <laughs> while I'm trying to, uh, <laughs> Great. to run another startup. <laughs> so a uh, lot of, lot of challenges, uh, in the job and off the job, I would say. Yes. Yes. Very much so. And very busy. All right, that that's a good intro. Um, yeah, Europe is also big in, uh, in motorsports as you, as you know, very much. um, but yeah, tell us a bit about what you do with grid rival or to be a bit more specific, which problem is it that you're actually solving? Yeah. So I, uh, like I said, I grew up really passionate about auto racing and in the United States, I really over the past decade or so have watched this fantasy sports experience kind of explode. And if you look at, you know, fantasy sports here in, in America is, is not necessarily a new category. Some of the first ever known fantasy sports leagues, so to speak, were, you know, date back all the way to the 1960s. But um, in between that time and really uh, until 2010, when the mobile phone came about, uh, we were limited as sports consumers to, to being a spectator, right? We'd kind of sit back in our chair and watch the game. We really wouldn't interact with it in any way. And so the 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 era of the mobile device really exploded how we engage with sports. And now like 83% of consumers watch sports with a second phone or a second device in their hand looking at stats. And we kind of went from, um, at least in America here, spectator to like virtual team owner. And so I saw this whole thing happening. And um, as somebody who grew up in motorsports, you know, every year, I, my, I'm, I'm interested in a lot of different motorsports, but my passion is is mostly, most deeply around Formula One. And at the beginning of every season, for the past probably six or seven years, I would, I would go Google uh, search Fantasy Formula One, and uh, there was really nothing out there that was enjoyable or engaging. Um, there was, you know, there were some small sites that were essentially like Excel spreadsheets online. Um, and so there just wasn't a lot out there. And I knew that I knew the global size of Formula One is significant and of motorsports enthusiasts is significant. If you add up all the audience metrics that some of these different racing series provide, it's, you know, it's over a billion people globally. So it's, it's not an insignificant audience, but um, globally fantasy sports um, is, is still kind of an emerging market. And so I just thought it'd be a really good time to try and test a product like this. So 
that's essentially why we built GridRival is there, there's not, uh, there wasn't anything in the market that we saw that was engaging and fun um, and authentic to just authentic to motorsports. Wow. Um, yeah, it's one of those uh, situations where I think I, I cannot believe it, that nothing really attracting, engaging is out there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, why don't you tell us a bit about your solution, how, how you solve it, how you make it engaging and uh, why you think your solution will potentially be the, the one that leads the field? Yeah, so I think that um, I, th I think the future of fantasy sports is really going to focus on on three things. The number one thing is is authenticity, or another way to think about this is like uh, segmentation of audiences. So if you look at a lot of the huge players in fantasy sports right now, if you log into them, you can play basketball, you can play football, you can play fantasy golf, you can play fantasy NASCAR or Formula One or whatever it is. It's it's basically the same experience. For every single sport. And so I think what's going to happen over the next decade is some of the really big people that, you know, are, are probably just starting right now, or maybe haven't even started yet, are going to focus on, on, in, on an individual consumer segment, meaning they're going to build a fantasy experience just for, that's just uh, soccer or uh, a, a football, as you guys call it over there, um, or just American yeah. football or, or just Formula One. Um, and so I think the first thing we're doing is really focusing exclusively on the motorsport enthusiasts because the, the experience that they want to have when they engage with a specific brand or a specific series is different than you know, what a, a, what a golf enthusiast wants. So the number one is authentic. The second one is engaging. Like I said earlier, um, I think people really have the desire to, to move beyond just being a spectator. Um, and some of the up and coming brands in, in racing are, are starting to address this formula E most notably with their, you know, they have this thing called, I think it's called fan boost now where you can vote to give a driver like in, in real time, in a race, a boost. Some people hate it. Some people love it. But I think the point is that I, I think it's a, a very early representation of, of what we could see uh, another decade from now. Um, and then I think the last thing is, is, is community. I think that um, there's an element to these as they grow. Um, leagues have always been community-based. And I think that's going to continue to be a stronger and stronger piece of fantasy sports. And so I've really built grid rival and are and building it. I mean, what what's what we have right now, I'd definitely call like a, a minimum viable product. So some of these things you maybe not see as, as deeply represented as you will in the future, but um, we're really focused exclusively on creating an engaging, authentic, and community-driven experience for motorsports and just motorsports. Yeah, very cool. And uh, it will be a mobile first or mobile mobile only solution, or will I also be able to to log in on on the web? Yeah, it'll be mobile first. Um, there's there's probably always going to be a web based solution, but you know, consumers that come in through through a cell phone or a tablet, we're probably going to push them to download and engage with the application, just because uh, as soon as that part of it's live, I think it's going to be a much better experience. But there's there's most likely always going to be a web version, just because I think there's other things we're going to focus on long term. And uh, some, you know, believe it or not, people still use their desktop computers to uh, to do stuff like this. But um, for the most part, you know, it, it is like I said, the future is the second screen as as it relates to fantasy sports. So it's it's unlikely that somebody's going to have um, you know their laptop open while watching a Formula One race. It's more likely they're going to phone in front of them and you know be be engaging with statistics in real time. So we are going to focus on the mobile experience heavily. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Um, my next question is about your business model, um, which probably is a very obvious uh, question or answer. Uh, it's the first time I'm asking I'm asking this question in, in this podcast. Uh, I got a got a request uh, from 
uh, somebody who wanted me to include that in the podcast and I thought it's a good idea. So the big question is, how do you make money? Uh, I think in the fantasy sports industry, it's kind of obvious, but yeah, uh, would, would be interesting to hear. Yeah. So right now we're in a category called pre-revenue. <laughs> so we launched and, and we're really trying to prove a concept first, which the, the, the theory that we we're trying to prove is that people even want to play this stuff. Um, and so that was really my first goal. And, and the second thing we're figuring out through this seed rounding stage is what the revenue model is going to be. And without getting in like too much detail, there's there's really two ways we see it going. Um, initially, it's going to be through premium subscriptions. I think if you look at where content is going, that's the direction I see it going simply because, you know, if you look at like the, the, the uh, numbers on people using ad blockers, you know, over time is continuing to grow. And so games and media being monetized through advertising i think is is going to slowly start to move into some brands that are using premium subscriptions so that's something that we're going to we're going to focus on and then the long term and and probably what you're thinking on the more obvious side is is really taking operations fees from cash games so i think for the foreseeable yeah. future grid rival will either be a free um, ad-supported experience, less likely there, but what's more likely is, you know, maybe a, a freemium experience where as a, as a premium user, you get access to um, a number of more fe features. The, um, the cash game side of sports betting is very, very complicated. It's not as simple as just building a mobile application where you can take, you know, taking cash. There's tons and tons of regulatory restrictions. Um, it's very, very difficult with a global brand. So, like, if you're if you're if you're a a, a company that just offers like American exports to American people, um, it's you know the challenges are uh, especially around like currency and convert currency conversion stuff are are lesser. So, at, at, once you take on cash games and you're essentially becoming a form or or sector of like online gambling, it's just it's uh, it's not an inexpensive venture. <laughs> um, but I think ultimately, long term, it's it's a lucrative one, um, and and that'll be the focus probably down the road for us. Yeah, cool. So it seems like this uh, premium-based model uh, is your favorite one to go. And, yeah, I think uh, so. Makes a lot of sense. And I think that um, you know, I, I don't. My goal is not to build a casino, and someone else, you know, may, may fill fill that market. And I think that there's two. If you look at if you look at it as a category, there's two main. There's two types of individuals who play fantasy sports, and the first category I would I would put in the the bucket of gamblers. These are people that play. They, they maybe aren't like the most passionate people, surprisingly, about the sport, but they're just in it because they want to win money. Um, and a lot of these yeah. people are, you know, on some of the bigger sites, not to mention brand names, but are using, you know, sophisticated technology to actually build their fantasy teams and, you know, sort of game the system. And that's why on some of those platforms, really, if you look at where the money goes, 95% of it goes to 5% of players. Well, there's this huge other segment that's the enthusiast segment and they don't necessarily need to win a half a million dollar pot right they just want they just want to put 15 pounds or euros or dollars into a, into a league because they want to have some skin in the game um, and that's really who I'm going after uh, at least initially like I said down the road we may focus more and more on you know kind of going upstream to the people who are interested in putting large amounts of money on it but um, at least primarily it's it's going to be an enthusiast focused platform. Cool. And it might lead to my next question. Not sure about your answer, but um, I want to speak a bit about the challenges that you have building your company, making it bigger. Uh, is it also the target group uh, you're tackling, those enthusiasts you just spoke about? 
or is it potentially something else like the typical growth uh, challenges that you have or building the platform? What would you say is it in your case? Yeah, I think it, I think that you should we should talk in a year and you should ask me because I could give you a much better I, I probably give you a much better example as it relates to the business itself. Um, right now, as as you and I have talked about, I'm in the the fundraising phase, and so that's kind of the the challenge I'm dealing with. And I know that's just the beginning. I've, I've ran a business before. So um, as soon as this very difficult stage is over, then it's like we have to actually execute on the vision. But I think this is the first time my, my, my last uh, business I built was was bootstrapped. We never raised money. We never had debt. So it was a very different model. And um, I would say the the probably the most challenging piece um, has been raising money. I, I've been in sales my whole life and I've been very used to getting rejected and that's just part of the game. But I think one of the things I didn't expect with raising money is that, you know, when you're in sales, you have a lot of people telling you no, who um, at the end of the day, they're, they're, they're just buyers. They're sometimes they're sophisticated. Sometimes they're not some, they definitely are, you know, people that maybe that they don't meet you on the same level of expertise, but when you're raising money, what's challenging is that for the most part, now there's obviously exceptions, but um, you're talking with a lot of very smart people who have a lot of experience in business. And so I think one of the things that's been most difficult is really just the psychological side of this, which is, you know, you, you hear no nine out of 10 times, probably more actually when you raise money, you have to get 50 people to tell you no to find the one or two that are going to fund your round. Um, and a lot of those people are really smart people that have a lot of experience in business. So it's just one of the things I think has been most difficult is managing the, the emotions of, um, you know, the, the ups and downs of conversations and stuff like that. Yeah. You gotta be, gotta be ready to hear a lot of no's, uh, but ultimately hopefully it's going to pay out. And, uh, yeah. So if everybody, anybody's listening to this podcast from an investor perspective and things, uh, that your idea is a good one, which I personally do, yeah. uh, I guess if I can feel free to, to contact you, uh, I'm going to put in, uh, the link, uh, to your project in the podcast, uh, show descriptions and, uh, yeah, they can reach out to you directly. Yeah. I appreciate that. Cool. Let's switch a bit from challenges to success stories or things that are running well. Um, is there anything that you can share with us uh, which makes a lot of impression in the best case? Yeah, I think um, one of the most, uh, I, I think that the number that's the most exciting for me and really validated kind of what we're on to is, um, first of all, we built a, a really good product, I feel like. But um, so we have, we have over 40,000 users, registered users right now. Um, and that was, I think what's significant about that is when I launched this project, um, I launched it a year ago as a side project and, um, really was, uh, I kind of tried to keep my expectations a little bit even so that I wasn't disappointed if my, you know, my hunch about the market was right or wrong or sorry, was wrong. Um, luckily it, it wasn't, but for the past year, as I was still running another business, this was you know, grid rivals really just kind of on the side and unfortunately didn't have a lot, a lot of time to spend on it. But, but through that period, um, our total user count almost or uh, increased by 50%. Um, and so that's one of the things that I'm most proud of. I think, I think more than that, that's, that's really cool is I get emails fairly regularly from the users that, you know, say something to the effect of, we're, we're so glad you made this, like we've been waiting for something like this. And that's always really cool to know that, um, you know, you're, you're, you can engage with the audience, uh, at, at least at this size, um, and, and hear from them directly that, um, you know, that they're, they're enjoying the product and are sharing it and stuff like that. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's the kind of uh, feedback or reactions that you want to have that keeps you going, that keeps you motivated and that lets you know that you're onto something, even in times when, I don't know, it might be hard with uh, fundraising or something like that or something is not working well. Uh, so, yeah, I, I can imagine that this is highly appreciated from your, your side. Yeah, very much. Cool. Um, all right. My next question is what's coming up in the next couple of months? Anything spectacular? Um, yeah. Like, like I said, really focus on closing our seed financing. Um, other than that, the next, the, the big focus for us is really releasing the, I guess, call it version two of our game, um, which will be mobile first. Um, and right now, like I, I think we mentioned earlier, the site is completely web-based. So we're going to be moving to getting our mobile apps live and stuff like that. And I'm um, really starting to build, build the team out here locally. Um, maybe have some contacts over in, in, in your neck of the woods that we work with as well. Uh, so it's primarily just uh, the next couple of months are going to really be focused on, on, on financing and then building out the team. And uh, hopefully you'll see a, a much more robust version of our product out sometime around Q1 of, of 2019. I think that's a pretty solid roadmap uh, and it's still on my list to to test your app actually. So uh, yeah, looking forward to that and uh, see if you might uh, include some new features as well. Yeah, and yeah. Stuff like that. yeah, and there's a there's a feature cool. request um, on our website. So if there's anything that you or anybody else sees that they like, you know, ideas they have, you can go in and plug them in and vote on you know, stuff that other people have, have submitted as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to check out the Formula E offer uh, at some point when it comes, uh, because that's something I am interested yeah. in. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, we'll check that in the future. Cool. Um, all right, we spoke a lot about what you actually do, what's coming up. Is there anything else uh, we should know about you that we did not mention yet? Um, not that I can think about. Not um, you know, not related to Grid Rival or anything. I think uh, I think we got a lot of the good stuff out there. Awesome. Then my very last question is about uh, you again. Uh, that's how we started. That's how we're going to end the podcast. Um, I'm asking the people I'm talking to about uh, productivity hacks to have. So is there something that makes you uh, uh, significantly uh, effective, something that worked for you in the past that you can share and recommend? Yeah, I think there's there's two things primarily. One of them is, for me, being productive is a byproduct of, of, of two key foundational things which are just um solid and consistent physical and mental health uh so i've i i found over time that you know if i'm working out regularly and you know even if it's like 10 minutes a day um meditating and just getting my my mind in in the right state before i go in and you know start executing work for the day that uh makes a significant impact the second one that is probably more of a, a hack i would say is um I read the uh, I read a book called Deep Work, uh, probably a number of months ago, and it's 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 an interesting book because it it really describes just how to how to focus and turn everything off in a in a world where we're just we're so com consumed by engagement from every single platform. You know, my last company when we had twenty plus employees, we used a company chat, and you know, when you combine that with email and people shoulder tapping all the time, it's just so difficult to just get an hour or two and do nothing but execute. And so one of the things that, you know, I don't even know if it, if it would qualify as a hack because it's so basic is, um, you know, in two hour chunks, what I do is I turn everything off. I, I, I turn my phone upside down, I put music on, I close all my windows and I just focus on the one thing that I need to work on. Um, and it works, at least for me, it works really, really well. Cool. Yeah, I've been at... 
I th- yeah, at an Evernote event in Berlin a couple of weeks ago, it was all about efficiency, productivity, and I heard about the book as well, and it sounded very interesting. Uh, wanted to to read it, so that's one more reason now that I hear it from you that that I actually yeah. should. <laughs> Uh, so that's a good one. Uh, and I was curious about um, the meditation part. Um, is there any app you're using or is it purely you meditating somewhere where it's quiet? Um, just um, I do a little bit of mix of both. I, I've, I do use an app from time to time called Headspace, um, which I think is one, yeah, of, the, well known yeah, one yeah. of the more common ones. So it's just simple. Um, you know, you can get really deep into meditation. There's tons of books. Uh, there's one called 10% Happier. I thought it was a really interesting deep dive if you're you're really looking to explore how it can, can make an impact. Um, but for me, sometimes just sitting and being quiet uh, for 10 minutes is is valuable in and of itself. Um, and just really focusing on on um, gratitude and the things that, um, you know, things that, that, that put you in a good mental state. Absolutely. And I think that's a good uh, finish of our podcast episode. Uh, Ross, thank you very much for the insights. Uh, I wish you all the best for the future. And I'm going to ask you in one year, this one question again, <laughs> to see what answer you Perfect. Have. Thanks uh, for having me. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, you're welcome. Have a good day. And you as well. Bye-bye.